Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. I am so happy that you are here today and that you've joined me. I would like to invite you to grab your holy Bibles and meet me in the book of Acts. Let's go to chapter 17 and take a look at some events in the life of Paul and Silas. And we're going to talk about the question of whether we should retreat or go forward or perhaps sometimes have a little bit of a combination of both with a purpose behind that. So let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we go into your word today that your Holy Spirit would move and would quicken and illuminate the scriptures to the eyes of our heart so that we would have understanding of your word, your will, and your ways. Thank you, Father, for helping us. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all agree and say amen. Acts chapter 17, verse 1, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. Woo! Praise the Lord. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. So they were persuaded by the preaching of the gospel. But the Jews, who were not persuaded, becoming envious, they launch into a certain thing. Now, let me say this. Our responsibility is to preach the gospel to all people. And what they choose to do with it as individuals, because it comes down to an individual decision, what they choose to do with it is their choice. But my friends, it's our responsibility to share the message because we have had the privilege of having heard it. And I know I'm speaking to a great audience that said, yes, I want Christ and you've received him. But there are many who have not yet done that. They've never had the opportunity. So we have the responsibility to share it with them. Now, of course, the Jews there in Thessalonica, you had a group of them, uh, probably the majority, that did not want to receive Christ as their Savior, and Paul explains what happened. Uh, or actually, Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, does. Verse 5 again, But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar. Now, in order to have a really good riot, you have to have a couple of uh, ingredients. You have to mix them together. But you can't have a riot and have total pandemonium break out without the key ingredient. What's that? You've got to have some evil men. Uh, you've got to have some crazy people. Uh, these are just rogue, rough-cut type people. And if you throw them a few dollars... Uh, you know, and get them to uh, get some bricks or stones or whatever, uh, you can get these people stirred up. They can start what's called the crowd spirit, and then you'll pull in a lot of, uh, uh, I would call them like neutral people because they don't even know what's going on, the neutral people, but they, they will just go with the crowd and sometimes stand in the crowd, not even know what they're there for. They're just going along with the crowd. But in order to start that riot, you always have to have that key ingredient, a group of evil men. And there are still men today that if you, you know, give them 20, 30, or $100, they'll go out and do anything for you. They'll start a riot for you. They'll, uh, you know, they'll do whatever as long as you keep the money coming. And that, uh, you know, nothing's changed over the thousands of years. Now, they took the evil men from the marketplace and gathered a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring him out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Now, you and I know that from the believer's perspective, that we are the ones who are right side up, and the world is actually upside down, upside down in their thinking, upside down in their ideologies, and it really is uh, a culture uh, throughout the world today where so many times 
that which is wicked and evil is actually celebrated and called good. But we know the truth because we have a defining standard, and that defining standard is the Bible. Now, verse 7. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. Uh, so nothing new there. Uh, again, it's just a, it's a effort to take things out of context. It, really, when you study the early church of the first century and the second century, even though the Christians were greatly persecuted, they still had the highest respect for governing authorities. And even oftentimes when many of these Christians in the first century were martyred, they would not lash out in anger against the authorities. They would just say, well, you know, we, we disagree. You're, you're going to kill us, but Christ is still Lord, and you need to repent of your sins and get your life right with God. And, you know, uh, it was just amazing the patience that God was displaying through so many of the first century Christians. Many of them, of course, were martyred, but... Um, uh, you know, the Lord also used that great persecution to spread the gospel throughout the Middle East and throughout what we know as Europe. And a lot of that evangelism and spreading of the gospel would not have taken place without the scattering of so many of the early disciples because of the fierce persecution. Now, so when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Verse 10, here we go. Now, or excuse me, then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Well, uh, Pastor Stephen, they sent Paul and Silas away. It, it sounds like they retreated. Yes, their work, in a sense, had been accomplished there in Thessalonica. And, of course, a church is going to be started. Paul would be later writing the letters or the epistles that we know, First and Second Thessalonians, to the established church there. But my friends, it's better to have Paul and Silas pulled out and kept alive because they are apostles and they are greatly evangelistic and they are now ready to go on to the next place that would be ripe for the gospel. If it gets too hot, uh, it's better to just pull back and live another day and preach another day. We want to use wisdom. There can be times to retreat, to refresh, and also to preserve your life. Praise God, because if you, uh, you know, this is not this is not a compromise. This is just wisdom. In other words, you don't want to needlessly die. There are countries that I could get on a plane from America and I could fly to those countries and I could. I could find a way to cross the border to get in. Now, I might not be able to fly directly into that these various countries. I won't say their names, but I could go to a neighboring country, and I could find a way to get across the border. And I could go in there, and I could start preaching the gospel. But I would be, I would be dead before the sun went down. I would be killed uh, within hours because the gospel is not allowed to be preached in certain countries. Not at all, not at all under the penalty of death. Well, that doesn't mean I'm a coward. That doesn't mean I'm compromising because I'm not going there. It's just It just means you have to be smart and you have to use wisdom and think, well, we're, we're not going to skip over those peoples because the people are subjected to evil rulership and evil leadership. So we just have to find another way to work this, whether we, uh, we get the gospel in through the printed page or today, we use different forms of technology, such as satellite television or the internet. Even if they're blocking and restricting the internet in these certain countries, which they certainly tried to do, uh, it's amazing how people are pretty smart and they find ways to work around that. So as long as you're endeavoring to still get the word out, uh, even in restricted areas, it will begin to percolate in. So it doesn't mean that you need to go in and just you know needlessly die. Because if we stay alive, we keep preaching, we can do a lot more work. And that's what Paul and Silas did. It is a retreat. It's not a surrender. It's just like, okay, hey, we've already gotten some people saved. 
And the locals are going to, they're going to start a church and raise a church up. But since Paul is the hot potato, uh, let's get him out and his, his traveling companion, Silas, because now at this time, Silas is also operating an apostolic uh, anointing. So they leave and that's okay. Now, verse 11, uh, they have now gone to Berea. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. I, I like the King James Version where it says the, the hearers there in Berea, they were more noble-minded. And these would be the Jews there in Berea. Now, this is why they were noble-minded or more fair-minded. In that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily not weekly, not monthly. If you're not searching the scriptures daily, you are not a noble Berean. Woo, praise God. And it made a, made a vast difference into the, uh, the receiving of the message. Now see, Paul taught the same thing in Thessalonica and uh, it was effective. There were salvations. There were, there were people that gave their heart to Christ, but there was so much persecution that Paul moves over now to a different location and found out really that the Jews there, yeah, they really wanted to know the truth. And that's one of the greatest assets that you can have in your heart is to be a seeker of truth. Not what's popular, not what the latest fad is, but to filter through all of these things and find out really what the truth is. And that's why the Bereans, they were celebrated for being noble-minded they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. May that same grace be upon your life to literally be searching the scriptures daily. Wow. I tell you what, anytime I meet a man or a woman or a boy or girl that starts talking to me about scripture and their, what they're studying, that means a lot to me. It, it means a lot to me when I see a person that takes God's Word seriously, and they're studying it. They're into the Bible. They're into the Word of God. You're looking at a person that's building their life on the rock, and they're going to be okay. They're going to be just fine. Now, verse 12, therefore. Now, I think it's interesting that we're therefore joining verse 11 and 12 together. The fact that they searched the Scriptures daily, therefore, many of them believed. So the more of the word that you have in you, which gives you a, a, a working knowledge of God's will, because his word is harmonious with his will. So the more that you have in you, the knowledge of that, it just gets easier to operate in the kingdom of the Lord and to know his principles and to know his ways. And one of those primary principles would be the love of God. And another one of those primary principles would be that it is impossible to please God without faith. You have to walk in faith as a believer. So you start learning all of that and you become very solid and also very successful in life. Praise God. But when the Jews from Thessalonica uh, excuse me, let me finish that sentence in verse 12. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Uh, uh, it, you know, it's just follow the same formula again. You can stir them up. You can do that, that stuff today. You just get you a couple of evil people. Uh, and if you can get more evil people together, you can stir up a bigger crowd in a bigger city. Uh, it will still work. And uh, it's, just, it's just evil. It's lawlessness. All of those things will be judged by the Lord one day. Verse 14, Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. But both Silas and Timothy remained there. Well, they sent him to the sea so he can catch a ship and get out of there because, again, we have another city-shaking riot because of the preaching of the gospel. But, again, a great work has already been accomplished. The seed has already been sown. There have been conversions. People have been born again. And that work is going to take off and it's going to flourish and it's going to prosper. Praise God. So work accomplished. This is not a, a compromising retreat. This is a wisdom retreat saying we have done a great work. Now let's pull back because the enemy's flaring up. And you know what? You can't, you can't be in constant riot mode. Eventually that's going to calm back down, let things resettle, and the church 
work can go on strongly. Praise God. So I think it's fascinating because you want to ask yourself, are you supposed to retreat or go forward? Now, when I'm talking about retreat, that could probably be viewed from two aspects. Here's the first aspect or the first definition that I see going on quite often in the church. To retreat would be would mean to abandon your assignment. That's what you never want to do. Or there could be a retreating, like Paul and Silas did, a, a retreating and pulling back to reestablish your next assignment and to realize that the time frame for the work here is accomplished. Let's pull back, let's save our lives, and let's get ready and get geared up for the next work. That type of retreat is okay. The first type of retreating and abandoning your assignment, that's wrong, and we need to stay away from that. Now, if you abandon your primary assignment, which is the Great Commission, then you're going to become disoriented, and you're going to also be eventually discouraged because there are believers today that are, they love the Lord, but they're, they are moving away from the primary assignment of the Great Commission, and they're retreating. They're not retreating to strategize how to win the lost. They are retreating to strategize how they can survive in the end times, and they're buying bunkers, and they are moving out of country, some are moving out of state, some are, are moving into remote areas, and they are really backing off of the Great Commission. Now, I'm all for common sense. I believe it is good to always have some backups in preparation for the potential for society to have a hiccup, uh, such as coronavirus where, you know, for a few days or a few weeks, there is no toilet paper. We'll just have some extra on hand for any type of societal hiccup that could go for a couple of weeks, could go for a month or something like that. And it's good to have some extra food, but I don't think you need a 30-year supply. I mean, it's good to have, you know, something that might last you, you know, a month or two months but if you start getting into this survival thing, you're going to get off the Great Commission and you're going to lose the focus and you're going to also pull out of the flow of where God's blessing is really at. Praise God. Um, there, there are Christians that are making plans to leave the continental United States and move to the most remote areas of Alaska. Uh, I just don't think those things are are where God's focused at. I, I believe th those are wrong moves. And these are people that are wanting to just go hide out in the middle of nowhere, get totally off the grid. And I believe it's a wrong focus. That is the type of retreating that I don't believe the Holy Spirit is endorsing that. I don't believe he's behind that. Praise God. Now, if you do something like that, and you say, Pastor Stephen, I've got to get off the grid. I want to get out in the middle of nowhere to save my skin or to hide out because, you know, society is going uh, uh, completely into a, a phase of lawlessness. I don't believe you're seeing the big picture. Not only that, you're going to miss this mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's coming. And I think it would be good for you to know that along with this mighty move of the Holy Spirit, will come an unprecedented release of provision and wealth to fund the global preaching of the gospel. And in Proverbs chapter 30, excuse me, chapter 13, verse 22, it tells us that the wealth of the sinner has been laid up for the righteous. And I believe it's been laid up for a long time. And I believe that there will be sinners that get saved, that have great wealth, that will release their wealth into the kingdom work of the Lord. And they will get behind the work of God and they will, they will fund it. And I believe that there will be others. They're not going to let go of it, but God's going to do shakings and the wealth will transfer through various ways, which God will allow 
But you don't want to be sitting out in the middle of Alaska. Now, by the way, I've never been to Alaska. Kelly has. It's a beautiful state, I'm sure. I've seen the pictures. And, you know, you have the northern lights and all of that beauty. And uh, there are viewers that watch from Alaska. So I'm not necessarily talking about Alaska. I'm talking about people that want to go into this remote, totally isolated places where you don't have a neighbor for 200 or 300 miles because you're trying to save yourself. I think you're getting far away from the heart of God and you're getting away from the Great Commission. Now, you have to understand, particularly for those of you that are watching me in western parts of the world, such as America, such as Europe, you have to look at this at this end-time scenario, not from an American perspective. You have to look at it from God's eye, which includes the entire planet. And you need to know this, because this is this is hard data. This is not, you know, Pastor Stevens you know, suggestions. This is, this is the reality. Right now, there are over 2 billion people who have never heard the salvation message. Maybe, maybe some of them have remotely or distantly heard the name of Jesus, but they have no clue what the gospel message is. Not only that, there are there are multitudes who have never even heard the name Jesus. They've never heard it their entire life. Even if they're 70 or 80 years old, they've never heard it still today. And I know in the culture in which we live with all of our uh, tablets and smartphones and televisions and everything digital and all of the connections that we have, you think, how, how could somebody not know? Well, there, there is over 2 billion people that have never heard the gospel preached to them. And 90% of these people that uh, out of the 2 billion, 90% of these people live in places that are extremely resistant to the gospel. And we're going to have to do all that we can to reach them. Because I believe before the Lord comes back to take the church home, I believe there is going to be a great wave of evangelism around the world, around the world, where it's going to be a pulling in of the harvest nets. And we're going to catch a whole lot of fish. That's going to be souls. I'm talking about literal fish. I'm talking about fish representing people, the souls of men and women. And we're going to see people saved all over the world. It's going to be a global harvest before the end comes. And the Holy Spirit is going to work through God's willing vessels to reach these people who've never even had the privilege to hear the gospel message preached to them. Wow, praise the Lord. So there can be a righteous retreat or righteous pulling back to walk in wisdom and to strategize, uh, strategize what's our next move, but a retreat to just drop completely the Great Commission mandate and walk away from that and go live in the middle of nowhere, off the grid. I mean, what are you going to do? Preach to the squirrels? Preach to a grizzly bear? My friends, that's the wrong move. And I believe really those types of things are rooted in selfishness, and perhaps even in an element of fear. Praise the Lord. You know, I think also people fall into that way of thinking because perhaps of their views on eschatology, thinking that they're going to go through the tribulation period, and so they have to be a survivalist, and they have to hone their hunting and fishing skills, and they have to, you know, get off the grid and get ready for all of that. But I believe that when the Lord returns, he's taking the church out and we're going to be with him and we're not appointed for the wrath that the wicked people left behind are going to endure. Woo! It's going to be cataclysmic. It is going to be on a level unseen of punishment and wrath poured out that they're going to cry out for death, but they're not going to be able to die because the Lord is going to punish them for all of their wicked ways. And we are God's children, and it would be 100% against the nature and character of God to whip and beat 
and punish and torment his own children. He's not going to do that. He's going to take his people out. And so we need to be ready with a heart serving the Lord and also putting all out focus on where the focus is at, which is reaching the lost and evangelizing the world. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, in case you have never heard of what the Great Commission actually is, I'll read it to you right here from the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 18, excuse me, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now, Jesus said, go. He didn't say, you know, debate about it or talk about it or decide whether or not we should or we could, you know. No, he just said, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we are to go and make disciples of all nations. That's every ethnic group upon the face of the earth. We need to take the, the gospel message to them and have it presented to them. Now, what they choose to do with it, that's their own personal choice. But we want, it, we want to present it in a way that is so simple and easy to understand and have it, have it brought before them in a way consistently, I would say multiple times, so that they can hear it and really let it sink in, and then they can make a very solid decision. And you know what? Multitudes, literally millions, are going to receive Christ. Praise God. And we're going to be involved in that on the front lines. Now, let's go a little bit further. Let's go back to the book of Acts. And this is the same chapter with Paul and Silas retreating. And at times, Paul, you know, they're, they're trying to save his life so that he can continue doing these wonderful works of evangelism and apostolic pioneering of churches and reaching the unreached people and taking the gospel to people who've never heard it before. So there were the times of retreating. Let's move him to a different city, get him on a ship, move him out of here. And the Lord was really with him and protected him. You know, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, was greatly used by the Lord in, in England and also in America. But he was a very short man, uh, right at five feet tall, and he only weighed 120 pounds. But he was a lot like the Apostle Paul in the sense that he was a soul winner, and he had an anointing to bring the souls in, and it caused literally in many places, those that uh, were against the gospel. It caused riots. It caused uh, certain people to put out uh, death hits upon him. They, they tried to kill him many, many times, and they never could. And he only weighed 120 pounds, and the devil couldn't take him out. But you know, there is a protection when you walk with the Lord, and when you're on assignment for the Lord, and you're busy about the Lord's kingdom, there is a protection. That doesn't mean you go out and do something foolish or crazy. You have, to, you have to use wisdom. But there is a protection. When you're in your lane doing what God has called you to do, God will bless you. And even when the enemy doesn't like it, as long as you stay with the Lord and stay in that assignment, stay on task, God's blessing and protection will surround you. Even if you're called to live in the most dangerous city, with the highest murder rate in your nation. If that's where God has you on assignment, then my friends, God will protect you through his mighty angels. Pastor Stephen, why should we keep this the focus? Why should we go forward with the gospel and uh, instead of retreating? And you know, you know, it's very interesting. When we had the outbreak of the coronavirus, there in America, in California, in Silicon Valley, with many of the tech giants, as they called them, and you have you have a, a lot of multimillionaires. Uh, many of them got on private jets, chartered flights, and it, some of this was already pre-planned. A lot of it was pre-planned, uh, where if something like this happened, they knew what to do from a natural way of thinking. Well, when the coronavirus began to 
open up and break out. They, when I say they, I'm talking about the, the wealthy elite, they got on private jets and they flew to New Zealand, down to the bottom of the world. Let me be the first to say that the pictures of New Zealand look breathtaking. I've never been there, but uh, it looks absolutely beautiful. We have online church members there. We have ministry partners that live in New Zealand and, of course, Australia, down there at the bottom of the world, so to speak. And so uh, all of these Silicon Valley wealthy multimillionaires flew to New Zealand because they had bunkers already made and stocked with food and stuff like that. Let me be the first to tell you that when the wrath of God begins to get poured out in the tribulation period, there is no bunker that you can hide in that's going to protect you from what's coming. There's no mountain that can hide you. There's no, there's nothing. The, the, the torments and the terror and the torture and the punishment that is coming in the great tribulation are going to be on a scale of human understanding. The only way somebody could go through it would be if you were one of the 144,000 and you're, you're called, you know, that, that's the Jewish men, uh, 12,000 from each tribe. If you're called to be in that group, then, you know, you're going you're gonna to have an, uh, an element of exemption. You're going to somehow be able to walk through it, and the radiation won't kill you, and the poisoned waters and the poisoned everything else won't, uh, won't kill you. You'll, you'll be exempt from all these demons walking around stinging people, and on and on it goes. But uh, if you're not in that group, you wouldn't want to be here, okay? And there's others. There's others, perhaps, that could have exemptions, such as uh, the two witnesses. And there could be others that have that holy mark upon their forehead, okay? And we know there's going to be an evil mark upon the foreheads and upon the right hands of those who accept the Antichrist as their, you know, leader and basically their God. And it says in the Bible, the book of Revelation, that anybody that takes the mark of the beast— you are doomed forever in the lake of fire. It's not like you can change your mind later. Oh, I didn't really mean to take that. No, uh, you took it. And if you ever take it, there is no going back. By the way, if you take that mark, the reason you, can, you can't repent later is the moment you take that mark, they control you. Uh, they will be able to control what it is you do. They will be able to make you work 16 hours a day, whether you want to or not. And you will be forced into this controlled situation where they're controlling you with that implant. And uh, it's all literally like a type of hell on earth. So, my friends, the Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 17 in that classic message there on Mars Hill, preaching to the great philosophers of the day, the Epicureans and the Stoics, he said this in verse 31, that God has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man, that would be Jesus, by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So everybody's going to have a judgment everybody. Mm -mm. And we want to do all we can to let people know, hey, there's a judgment. And if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, you have, you have a problem. It's called the sin problem that has separated lost humanity from God. And the only remedy is faith and trust through Jesus and his atoning sacrifice at the cross at Calvary. He is the only way to eternal life. He is the only way to heaven. There is no other way. There is no other religion. There is no other God. Jesus is the only man. Praise the Lord. And God has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. That's Jesus. He's going to judge the whole world. One at a time, you will stand before the Lord and those that never accepted him as their Lord and Savior they will be thrown into the lake of fire. Mm -mm. We need to warn people. We need to tell people that heaven is real and hell is real also. Wow. See, now one of the doctrines of demons that is circulating today is that there is no literal hell. Oh, 
What an awful lie. Mm-mm. And some preachers have sold their souls to the devil for temporary fame, temporary financial gain. And they have gone so far to say that there is no such thing as a literal hell. They're liars. They're absolutely total frauds and liars. They are, they are false prophets. Let me tell you that heaven is real and, and hell, whoo, with all of its awful torments beyond description. I, I have been taken to hell before in a vision by the Lord Jesus, and he has shown me certain parts of hell and the terror and fear uh, that are in that place. You can't even, you can't even describe it. Oh yes, there's the pain of burning in fire, burning in flames, but the torments of also the, the, the atmosphere of fear and the horror that's in that place are undescribable. It is very, very real. And if there's any lie the devil would love for people to believe would be the lie that, that, that there is no literal hell, but oh, it's very, very real. And it will never end until hell itself and everybody that's in it are thrown into the lake of fire. Wow. Woo! Agony and pain beyond description. The lake of fire, a place so awful that God never intended for humans to ever to even go there. It was created for Satan and all of the rebellious angels that fell with him. It was intended solely for them. Oh, but wicked men will be thrown into that place and it will never end day and night. Their torment goes up in the smoke forever and ever and ever. Whew, what an awful place. My friends, we must warn people about it. We must be very serious about the gospel. Oh yes, have some extra supplies. Have a few ramen noodles over there on the side. You know, get a little shelf food. Some of this food can sit on a shelf for 10, 15 years and you can open it up five years later and it's still just as good as the day that they prepared it. I like beef jerky. You can, you can, you know, let it sit there for a couple of years and it's, and it's good and it's good. It tastes good too. It's good for you. But my friends, don't, don't lose the focus of what we're supposed to be doing. We're not going back to the stone age. Technology in the last days is going to increase exponentially. And Daniel talked about that. Daniel saw the vast increase of knowledge through technology and I want this ministry to be on the cutting edge of technology. And we are doing some things behind the scenes that I haven't even shared yet. I'll just let you see it when it's, when it happens of new levels of technology. And we want to, to see God's glorious provision so that we can use it to branch out in every platform, in every type of evangelism that we can through the printed page, through books, through the internet, through television, through every form available. Woo! And we want to do it all with excellence. Praise God. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm telling you, that's where the blessing of the Lord is at. It's on those who have a heart for the kingdom of seeing the lost saved and God's people built up and strengthen. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Mark chapter 16, Jesus also again shares the great commission. And he said to them, go into all the world. There's your commissioning right there. You don't need a deacon board to approve it. You don't need, uh, you don't need somebody to say, you know, I think we should do this. No, Jesus already said you should. Okay. And that's what we're involved in go into all the world. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm just only really concerned about my local neighborhood. Well, Jesus said that we need to have a global focus on this. Now stop and think about it. So many of you that are watching me, you're saved. You could say it like this. Your ticket to heaven is stamped. You're washed with the blood of Jesus. You're ready to go. But what if you didn't know the Lord? Wouldn't you want somebody to reach you? Woo! We, we have to do all we can. We have to do all we can. Because if you were lost, see, there was a point you were lost, but now you're found. Aren't you glad that somebody somehow did something 
to minister the gospel in some form where you heard it, you understood it, and with that understanding, made a decision to receive Christ. And the moment you did that, the spiritual death that was in you was taken away and a new heart, a new life was put on the inside of you. You were born again. Aren't you glad? Woo, praise God. Aren't you glad that you're good to go? But what about the billions that don't know? Now, there's two billion that we know that have never heard the gospel. And, and there's another at least two billion who have never received Christ. So you have at least four billion people on this planet that do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. So what are we going to do? Go buy a, a shack out in the middle of the woods and uh, get off the grid and just sit around and, you know, uh, live off the land while the world goes to hell? No, we, we're not going to do that. We're going to do all we can using the state-of-the-art technology and using the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of God to reach as many as we can. I want this ministry to reach one million souls for Christ. I believe God will give them to us. And I believe that as we work together, we will all share in that harvest. I've said it before. I don't want you to go to heaven without an inheritance. I'm not talking about just making heaven. I made it, Pastor Stephen. I'm in. I want you to make it and have an inheritance waiting on you. And the inheritance that we can take with us is souls. Praise God. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Will you help me do that? He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be damned. It's heaven or hell. Mm -mm. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Praise God. Praise God. When you put first things first, the Lord will add all of the other things to you that the sinners who don't know God, they strive to get and they grasp after it and they think day and night how they can get it. But if you'll just serve the Lord and live for him and have his commission upon your heart, God, we've got to get, we've got to get them. They're going to go to hell. Lord, if we don't give them the opportunity to receive Christ, they won't know they'll die in their sins. And they'll be judged by, as what Paul said, Romans chapter one, they'll be judged by the fact that they knew, they knew they can look up at night and see the stars and that in itself through nature itself was preaching the gospel to them. There is a creator. There is a God who made this. Mm, praise the Lord. But when you engage, when you engage in God's efforts to reach the lost, he will bless you. And there's many ways you can engage through volunteering, through giving, through praying, through serving. Mm -mm. through partnering with this ministry as we reach out and throw the harvest nets. Praise God. You know, I, I want to I give an example to you. I'll give you a couple. But I remember that prophet Kenneth Hagin had a vision, and he talked about the time Jesus came to him, and Jesus in this vision was holding a crown that Kenneth Hagin said it was so beautiful that it went beyond the ability to describe its beauty in words. You just couldn't. And he asked Jesus, what was that crown? Jesus said, this is a soul winner's crown. This is for those who win souls. And Jesus explained to Brother Hagin how so many of his own people were indifferent to souls dying, lost, and going to hell. How so many of his people rejoiced and shouted in church because they were saved and they were going to heaven, but they had no care, no interest for those who were lost and didn't know. So the soul winner's crown goes to those who have a heart to win the lost. Mm -mm. Praise God. May you reach the soul winner's crown. May you stand with us in ministry as we reach out. 
You know, we're airing now on these various networks. We're, we're getting emails we've never heard from people before from various places. Products are going out the places we've never heard of before. God's moving. God's moving. I'm telling you, we're not, we're not about to uh, upplant this ministry and move off uh, uh, out in the middle of a desert somewhere or move off to the North Pole. This ministry is expanding on all sides. We are going to build up God's people through strong faith, preaching, and teaching, and we're going to get the lost. We're going to get them. We're going to send this message all over the world in a way that we've never done before. Mm-mm. Why don't you come along with us for the ride, for the fishing trip? Go fishing with us. Hallelujah. Supporters in prayer. Supporters with your finances. And we're going to get them. We're going to get them. And you'll cross over having a harvest. And they'll thank you. One day you'll get to heaven and they'll say, because of your giving to support the preaching through the man of God that was preaching, I'm now in heaven. And it's because you had a part in that. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, God's a phenomenal record keeper. He'll make sure that if you have an inheritance, it'll be there for you. He'll know. He'll know. Mm-mm. Here's one that's fascinating. This one's pretty modern. This happened just a couple of years ago. I think about three, uh, maybe about four, three or four years ago. Okay, so here's how the story starts. This is a brother from Nigeria. He says, eight years ago, on my way to Abuja for an official assignment, I was attacked by armed robbers and shot at close range. This led to the total damage of my elbow, and I was taken to the orthopedic hospital for treatment. So he was shot at close range in his elbow, and it completely destroyed his elbow. Thereafter, I was referred to India for an elbow replacement surgery, and a cast was fixed onto my arm. Since then, I suffered excruciating pains. When I went to the hospital, I was told there was no solution except I returned to India or traveled to the USA for a further operation. However, every effort to make that trip proved unfruitful as I lacked the required funds. Later, my doctor agreed to remove the cast despite the high risk involved. The total estimate for the treatment was over 2 million naira. And so he uh, explains how he made some deposits and was able to uh, have a certain operation done. Okay. He had the operation done. Then as a result, he said, of that operation, the pain persisted. So they put an implant into him. Um, I wish I would have brought my iPad today for you to see this. But uh, let me, uh, I'm going to hold it up to you right here. And uh, maybe, let's see here, I'll hold it like this. Here's the implant. That's a little ways away. Okay, uh, you'll see the artificial bone, and then you'll see the other part of that metallic implant, which uh, I don't know what it's made of. Looks to me like stainless steel or titanium or something like that. That was actually put into his elbow to replace the fractured, busted elbow. Now I'm sorry I don't have a larger image, or um, I, I might be able to have this image popped in later, okay, so that you can see it on the screen. I'll try to do that. We'll do that in post-production. But um, that's what was put into his elbow, and the device was made in India. Uh, it was laser engraved with the identification number on the device, and through the surgery, it was put into his elbow. Now, he said that the pain, though, persisted. And I can imagine so. You have an artificial object in your, in your body, and it's never going to work like the real thing. Now, uh, he belonged to Winter's Chapel, uh, pastored by Bishop David Oyedipo. He said, when Bishop Oyedipo announced the theme of the month for June, uh, and he, the theme was serving God pays. Now, think about that. So the bishop announces that the theme for our church for this month is Serving God Pays. Mm. He said, immediately, I knew it was my month. And during the last outreach of that month, I advertised and shared and proclaimed my Jesus, he said, madly, like a mad person. And within two hours, he said, God gave me 14 souls. So while out and about 
sharing about uh, Jesus to people that didn't know him. He won 14 people to the Lord. Now watch this. And uh, keep in mind, the theme for the church that month was uh, serving God pays. Praise the Lord. So he's won 14 people to the Lord that day. When he got home, when he got home, the Holy Spirit said to him, in response to your obedience, go to sleep. I want to operate on you. He said, thereafter, I slept off, uh, fell asleep, and a divine operation was performed successfully. When I woke up, I discovered the excruciating pains had ceased. Um, then I felt, when he said he woke up, he said, I felt a persistent push on my arm. When I checked, in other words, when he looked, I discovered that my arm was open. It had been opened up. As I looked at it closely, I saw that, that metal that, that was fixed between the bones, and it was dangling. It had come out and wanted to fall off. And he said, I grabbed it. When I decided to look inside the open spot, I felt the force grab my hand, and that spot closed up. During the entire process or this surgery, this heavenly surgery, I felt no pain, and there was no shedding of blood. Since then, life has been restored to my arm. I give, all the, I, I give God all the glory. And of course, Bishop Oyedipo shared this testimony at his church. His church has over 400,000 members. Now, when this man woke up, what he is saying is that he saw that insert coming out of his arm and falling next to his arm, and he picked it up, and he could still see inside this open surgery of his elbow, and he was going to touch it, but a hand pulled his hand back, and it just all miraculous, miraculously closed up. But guess what? He has that implant now with his hand with the laser engraved on it, and he gave it to Bishop Oyedipo. Bishop Oyedipo uh, traveled to America and showed it to Prophet Kenneth Copeland, and there it was, and you're seeing that. And you're able to see that this is a miracle. Now, don't forget, because this man had a heart to win the lost for Christ, he came home after having won 14 people to the Lord, those 14, of course, being added to the church. He came home, and the, the Lord told him, go, go to sleep. And he did. And a surgery was performed on him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was actually an angel that came under the authority of the Holy Spirit, it was an angel that came and actually took that out of his arm because the brother later shared how he actually saw the angel walk away after the surgery had been completed. What is that? That's when you put the Great Commission first. God adds everything else to you, even crazy things like a creative miracle and not even dissolving what was in there, but taking it out. And it's, it's a raw miracle, very, very powerful miracle, praise God. You know, I've always used my trucks, you know, I would own a truck, and it seemed like when the church was being remodeled, uh, nobody else's was available for but mine. And I remember on the first remodel phase when I had a particular truck, there was a lot of stuff that needed to be hauled to the dump. I just said, well, throw it in the back of my truck and I'll haul it to the local dump, which is about 20 minutes from here. And I hauled literally thousands and thousands of pounds of demo material, everything from old cabinets to old junk and uh, cement and all kinds of stuff all ended up at the landfill because uh, you know, I said, well, I'll make my truck available to do that. And I remember after having made, I think it was 44 trips to the landfill, uh, each trip just loaded with uh, uh, usually about uh, 1,500 pounds or right there at the max carry capacity, 2,000 pounds. I remember after having done all those trips and uh, used it for other stuff too, I said, Lord, Lord, I think I've wore out my truck uh, on your behalf. And I, I kind of said it kind of funny, not even thinking anything about it. But you know, the Lord has always kept me in the best vehicles, the best trucks there are, uh, with all the bells and whistles. And the truck I have now is top of the line pickup truck. 
and uh, it was just uh, just recently where we were doing some more landscaping, and we needed to get several pound, uh, several thousand pounds of uh, you know hardscaping material in, you know, boulders and stones and all kinds of stuff. And I was just like, well, I've got my truck. I'll go pick it up with my truck. They can load it in the back, and I'll bring it over here, and uh, I can be unloaded, and the work will continue. But I've always have done things like that, and uh, uh, it was just a couple of days ago we were doing another landscaping project when I realized, you know, Lord, the uh, bedliners it just kind of gotten all tore up. And uh, I, but I realized what the Lord's doing. Uh, he's always kept me in absolutely wonderful, wonderful vehicles, and I've never, I've never driven around a clunker. Uh, except decades, many decades ago, when I didn't know these principles. All I'm trying to say is that when you engage your life, even if it means your vehicle, anything in the service of the Lord, and this is God's house, this is God's property, we're never going to let it run down and look like something that's uh, a bad witness. I believe that what is done for the Lord should be the best, should be done in a spirit of excellence, and I believe that His property, His house, should be a place of beauty. And that includes the landscaping, whatever it is. But as we have endeavored to serve the Lord in, in the preaching of the gospel with our lives, with our prayers, with our giving, if you'll put your whole heart into it, even if that's your vehicle, you, you, I'll, I'll tell you what, God jumps in there. He'll start working in your life. And the next thing you know, you might not really know how, but you're just like, Lord, I'm going from glory to glory. I remember what I used to drive, Lord. Now I look at what I'm driving now. And it's all because of putting first things first, great commission first. And I'm not about to take my truck and load it up with uh, survival gear and move out into the middle of the, uh, nowhere and let the great commission fall to the ground. No way. That is our mandate as a ministry as a body of believers, and we have the honor and the privilege of engaging in it. And as you do that, you'll see God do great miracles of blessing in your life. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Signs, wonders, miracles will literally follow after you. Praise the Lord. So, Pastor Stephen, should I retreat or go forward? Well, you should never retreat in the sense of backing off of the Great Commission. You may want to retreat just to take a little refreshing and to think about perhaps the next strategy for the next target, but keep on moving and go forward with the, the work of the Great Commission. Because, my friends, if people die without Christ, they go to hell. That is the Bible truth. And we want as many to go to heaven as possible. Now, if they hear the gospel and they reject it, you know, that's, that's a choice that they have made. But we least want them to hear it. And for some, they need to hear it multiple times so that they can begin to understand it and begin to, you know, grasp it. So we want to do all we can. Thank you for standing with us as we continue to preach the gospel around the world. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Now, if you're watching today and you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, my friends, the Bible is true. The Bible tells us that it's appointed unto man once to die. And when your life is, is finished and it, it, it's a wrap, you know, you, you, can't, you just can't change things. You have to make your decision now. And so I invite you to look to the Lord Jesus Christ who loved you so much that he died in your place. And if you'll just put your faith and trust in him, all the penalty of your sin was put on Christ at Calvary. It all went on him. But you cannot receive the benefit of that unless you accept him as your Lord and Savior. And then the redemption that he purchased for you will become yours. Okay, so if you would like to receive him now and receive forgiveness of sins and be born again, pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of all of my sins. I ask you to come in my heart right now. I ask you to give me your newness of life. Make me brand new, Jesus, in my spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for taking away that old sinful heart and giving me the new spiritual heart on the inside. 
Lord Jesus, I belong to you now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my cry and my call. And I thank you that you've answered and you've given me your new life. Just like that, it's happened. He's already saved you. Praise God. Now live for him and serve him and walk away from the sin that you've been living in or practicing and begin to walk with the Lord and learn his ways. If you are someone that used to serve the Lord, but you have fallen away from him and you've gone off in the sin and the darkness, but you still, you, your heart aches because you know you're not living right. Come back to him right now and he will wash all of your sins away and he'll break you free from any chains of addiction that would try to pull you back. Praise God. So just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me for having left you and walked away from you. Lord Jesus, I come back to you with my whole heart right now. Wash all of my sins away. Thank you, Jesus. And plug me back into your kingdom work. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord, for your delivering power right now also upon that person and upon their mind. Hallelujah. And for freedom to serve you with joy again. Thank you, O God. Praise the Lord forever. My friends, go forward. Go forward. Hallelujah. Go forward. Praise God. Don't shut your business down. Expand your business so that you can be a blessing to the kingdom. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. glory glory to the lord let's get ready to take holy communion grab some unleavened bread grab some grape juice praise god if you will just get in the flow of god's plan you'll be in the blessing you'll be in the blessing let me say this about israel the jews have a covenant with god but it is not a covenant of salvation Okay, so you have a lot of Jewish people, they don't know the Lord. Oh, Pastor Stephen, they're Jewish, they have a covenant. They die, they'll go to heaven. No, they won't. Nobody goes to heaven without coming through Jesus. And if you reject Jesus, you can't go. You can't go. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, well-known, famous Jewish people in the news right now. Uh, you had you know, Epstein, you have all of these people that have done, uh, we have, it's come to have been found out, of course, a lot of it had been known for years anyhow, that, that, that they were doing awful, evil things behind the scenes, sometimes not even behind the scenes, out and open, and they die. Don't tell me they went to heaven. Mm -mm, there's no child uh, molesters in heaven. There's no murderers in heaven. Okay, uh, you have to come to Christ and receive forgiveness of your sins and receive eternal life. The Jews need Jesus, and we'll do all we can, of course, to present the gospel to them as well. You can't get to heaven by being a good person. There is no person good enough uh, by keeping the law. You can't keep it. You don't even have a temple. You don't even have any more a system of animal sacrifice to push sin back for another year. You don't have any of that. You're lost in your sins without Christ. He is the only answer. And the Messiah is Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah! Glory to God. So everybody needs Jesus. And we're preaching Jesus to all. Praise the Lord. All right, let's take Holy Communion together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the bread and the juice. We pray over it. We bless it. In the name of Jesus, this is now the body and the blood of our Savior. Thank you, Father, that we have had the privilege of having heard the gospel and we received Christ. And we're never letting go of him ever. And he's never letting go of us. We're going to finish strong and make it all the way to the end. Until time runs out and our life ends or the Lord comes back to take us home with him. Should um, he interrupt our time here on earth, that's totally fine. But Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his body. We thank you for empowering us to do the work you told us to go. So Lord, you've commissioned us and we're going to do it. We're going to go further, farther, faster than we've ever gone before. And we thank you that you are with us. 
leading us and guiding us. So as we receive your body, we thank you for strength, strength to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the body of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, O God. Father, we thank you that Jesus is the Savior of the world. But in order for a person to receive that salvation, they must put their faith and trust in Christ. Oh God, we praise you. We praise you. Lord, we ask you to open mighty doors, mighty doors, so that we can proclaim the gospel. Thank you, O oh God. We ask for unique doors, special doors, wide open doors. Thank you, O oh God, where we can proclaim the gospel. Oh Lord, we thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing. We thank you, Lord, for the mighty anointing that you have released and the greater, the greater glory that's even coming. Lord, we thank you that we're stepping into it, even by faith right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for financial miracles of the funding and the provision of the gospel. Lord, we give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the uh, blood of Jesus and its mighty sin, cleansing power. And we thank you that our sins and our iniquities, when they're cleansed and forgiven, you remember them no more. Lord, we receive that and believe it. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. May you have that wisdom to know the balance of a little retreat, to strategize, the wisdom to have some extra batteries in your house, maybe even a generator, you know, or something like that. I would like for this ministry here to have a generator. We actually lost power yesterday because some trees went down. Well, if you have a generator, it just switches over automatically. You don't miss anything. We certainly wouldn't want to miss that, you know, when servers are running and uh, you're streaming or you're broadcasting or something like that. We want everything smooth as can be but smooth so that we continue the preaching of the gospel. And I believe that God's going to hold America together and that the grace of the Lord is upon this nation. There are many people right now that are believers that are praying and fasting for this country. I know things can look shaky in some areas and it can look like lawlessness is breaking out. But if you look, if you look carefully, a lot of the lawlessness that's breaking out is breaking out in cities that are already in many ways just kind of there's been lawlessness going on there anyhow. It's just now it's increased to a greater level. But God has raised up great works. He's going to continue to do that. And God is pouring out his spirit for those that are standing on the front lines of fulfilling the great commission. Praise God. We're ready. We're ready for the next great move of God's spirit. Praise God. Father, bless your people. Bless your people to be empowered for this work. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, thanks for watching today. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, stay richly blessed. Bye-bye.